day and welcome to another special edition of Birds All Day. I believe this is episode number 153. This is uh, one where me, my name is Drew Fairservice, I'm joining you alone. I'm not really alone. I have a guest. I have a special guest. Uh, you know him from his time at Fangraphs. Now he is the national analytics writer with The Athletic. Uh, Eno Sarris. Eno, how are you? I'm doing good. I just, uh, I stepped in for our beat writer for the, for the Giants today. Uh, Andrew Baggerly and I, and I put my little beat rider hat on, and I. And I just, of course, Eno is based in the Bay Area, but right now, you're in Arizona, uh, where you're covering all the teams again as a national writer for the Athletic, where you're talking to uh, just about everybody who's going to be down there in Arizona at this time of year. But let's talk about the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are something of a darling of the projection systems in a way because uh you know just given the state of the american league and and the way that the their roster uh, sort of shapes up and the way that they've built the team over this offseason they kind of look um promising i mean they're right there they're right there in, in the american league wildcard race and i mean is it uh you know they have josh donaldson who is something of a superstar they have the depth um, that they can work in there. I don't know. What do you think about about the way they've gone about building this team? Guys, I think the genius of the Jays right now, if it is genius, is that they kind of have both. I, I really like what they did with Yangerva Salarte and Aledmus Diaz because I think they saw last year, and this might be devastating. I don't think actually on your podcast this would be so devastating to hear, but uh, Ryan Goins was a hold. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and so they, and, and not just himself, and he's 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 a better baseball player than I am. But you know, he represented a little bit of a failure of depth, I think, in the past um, for the Blue Jays. And this year, without signing any sort of real big, you know, making any real big splashes or making any really big moves, they went and found, um, you know, guys that would would raise the bottom, you know. And by raising the bottom, you know, they made it so that Josh Donaldson, their superstar, was projected to, you know, give them six or seven wins. And, uh, and the, the, the sort of approaches together have given them, um, you know, a, a, a good team that has some upside and also doesn't really, like, what would you describe as the holes in the squad? Well, I think that they're... they're you make a strong point. There, there necessarily aren't holes. Uh, I, I feel like what they've done is sort of uh, created that depth behind the maybe more fragile members of the team. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and uh, the other hole, I mean, I, I think I, I've spoken before about how I think I that I view Russell Martin differently than maybe other people do. I think I, I kind of view him as a bit even maybe better than he is. But there are definitely, there's, I think the biggest thing, especially in the outfield, is there's an opportunity for somebody to break out and step forward. That's a really great place to talk about because you get you get Curtis Granderson and you get Steve Pierce, and together they don't, uh, you know, tickle your t- titties, you might say, but what they do do is offer you sort of a ground level one to two win, you know, platoon situation where you're like, this won't be awful, you know? Mm-hmm. But if it is awful, then they won't be too hard to get rid of. 
and we'll have Teoscar Hernandez in here in a second. We'll try Anthony Alford. No, uh, you're exactly right, and I think it uh, it holds true in the bullpen as well, where they're sort of throwing everything against the wall. Um, if it's uh, you know from the from the guys from last year, Leon and Tapera, and now they're they're they brought forward you know Axford and O oh, and Clippard and and Breslow and all these different guys where. You might, as, as, as you said um, earlier, when we got a little cut off was, you know, you might accidentally or by, you know, by accident win 90 games or you might have some guys, some pieces that you can um, you can trade. But, of course, there is a downside to going with this. The, the, my only concern, or I don't know, you tell me what you think about the, the realities of going with a depth, 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 depth approach is there are only so many roster spots to go around. And I almost feel like right now, given the market, they've almost painted themselves into a corner where there are these players who are out there getting nice, getting deals that the team, given the Jays' financial situation, could manage. Um, uh, that they're maybe not in a position to, to move forward with a guy who could really help. Uh, obviously, Neil Walker is the one that everyone's been talking about this week. Neil Walker is a very solid, you know, consistent, valuable player, and the Jays obviously could use a guy like that. But there's not really a spot for him. They've got. Space is tied up with Morales and Granderson and Pierce and whoever else. And and the player himself may not pick it because he doesn't see a spot for him. To play. Oh, exactly. That's exactly it. I mean, uh, yeah. that's why they're getting these guys on minor league deals where, where you know, it would be nice if you're the Jays to, to be able to promise something a little more. But it's hard, especially when, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're playing behind Devin Travis and Troy Tulowitzki, there will be opportunities to play. But are the opportunities to turn it into next year's employment? I, I That's yeah. tough to promise. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that that's a, a thing for minor league uh, minor league deals. It's always the what, what's my next deal, but you know, uh, I would say that again. I hate to to invoke their name again, but the Cardinals I think showed you, uh, they show you I think the same issues about signing guys and you know who's going to come here. But at the same time, they also show you what you can do when the depth gets to a certain point. You package your depth and you get a guy like Marcelo Zuna. So. You know, if if a lot of these prospects work out, there will be guys near the end of their um, either you know there'll be guys either low minors guys or some guys that have a little bit of years control left that you can package together and go get a young player that can make a difference for you. So, you know, you know to me, that's like next year or this year they're great, but they they need another player and they want to go get Chris Archer and they decide. You know, they love Vlad, but they can maybe let Bo Bichette go, and they'd, like, package Bo Bichette and Aaron Sanchez and get Chris Archer, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's what you do with depth, you know? So mm. I, th- I think there are some things you can do with it. There's also a fair critique is what Billy Bean said was, you know, my poop doesn't work in the playoffs. You know, a depth, I think a depth approach does suffer a little bit once you get to the playoffs because – once you get to the playoffs, your fourth and fifth starters don't matter as much. Your sixth starter certainly doesn't matter. Um, your bullpen shortens, and uh, fair or not, all the attention or and the clutch at bats end up on on uh, on your star's shoulders. And that's why I think they didn't let Josh Donaldson go because it's depth plus Josh Donaldson, really. Are we talking about the Raptors now? This is like the where we're we now we've talked about the Raptors and the uh, this is like the the topic du jour about the Raptors' second unit. Uh, but we'll, we can talk about that another time if you want. I'm happy to talk about, about <laughs> basketball. I know. I didn't know this. So the, the Raptors' second unit is really good, and they they're really good defensively, and that and uh, and people are worried they won't win the playoffs again. Yeah, that, that's how they're being discounted. They have 
their their second unit, their all bench unit, has one of the highest uh, you know net positive net ratings uh, that they've ever seen of, of a five um, of, of, any, of any five man unit. But there's also there's the, the diminishing returns of having the best ninth and tenth men uh, in in the Eastern yeah. Conference when you're LeBron's playing yeah. 45 minutes a game. But anyway, we can talk about again. That's another kind of thing we can talk about. But no, I think that's it, it's interesting to bring that up. But at least in basketball, the reason it's even more important is that there's only five spots mm-hmm. uh, on the field. So you could see how in baseball with 25 or, you know, at least uh, the nine out there, you've got a little bit more to play with. But, you know, I mean, for sure, it's a very similar issue. Uh, but I would say this. Um, I remember a study that was done that found that baseball was the least predictable sport. If you're talking about on a game level um, and sort of from a betting standpoint or whatever, the, 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 mo- the least predictable sport is baseball. The most chaos is in baseball. Mm-hmm. And I think you can see enough of a, like, hey, let's just be the, you know, the Giants did this. Let's just be the Giants. Let's get there as a wild card. Let's, let's be the Royals and be the worst team in the playoffs and win it all. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. let's, just, let's just get there. And then Josh Donaldson plays like he's on fire. Like, mm-hmm. just literally on fire. And, like, Yangervis Solarte hits, like, eight home runs in the postseason. You know what I mean? It's like... You never know. You, know, you, don't, you don't know how it'll happen, but if you're good enough to get to the postseason, then, you know, you should... I think you should stick with it. I mean, it's also in a time when everyone's tanking and trying to be as terrible as possible, mm. it's easier to go get those players and maybe be okay. You also reminded me of the the 2013 World Series, which stands out in my mind, the Cardinals and the Red Sox, two teams that were very much built on the don't, the no holes philosophy. Those were two, yeah. they were the two best teams at baseball last year. They were also like, there was no, there were no free outs. There were no kind of flash in the pan guy who, who hits like crazy for a month. And then, you know, there were some older guys that, that maybe played a bit above their heads, but, but that might be the model. And, 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 my thinking going back to the basketball where in basketball you can play LeBron 45 minutes a night you can make sure he touches the ball every time down the court but you can't force Josh Donaldson up in the eighth yeah. inning with two guys on where that's sometimes where you can have a Yender or a Solarte who, who is playing because Kevin Javis is hurt or whatever right but that also that brings in that chaos that allows you a mm-hmm. chance you know mm-hmm. uh, and, it, and it's beautiful in a way I don't think um you know, I, I think uh, in basketball sometimes it's depressing because you're just like, oh, gosh, there's two teams and they're probably going to be in the finals and I can call them right now. You know, so, um, you know, I, I like that about baseball. I don't know that uh, a pump and dump is an amazing way to go. I mean, they, these guys, these teams, I mean, the A's, for example, have been bad on purpose, you know, to get young players, but then they can't afford to keep the guys when they come around. Uh, and that's just as depressing. So, uh, or you end up like the Rays, where they have to they have to yeah they're screw their they have to screw their young players out of jobs and out of paydays to keep the yeah. whole thing. Um, I mean, like Brent Honeywell last year for the Rays was was a hundred percent ready to go. I mean, he's you know he's making jokes on Twitter about all these guys getting called up around him, uh, and instead of calling him up and using him to maybe you know there were points of last year where they were they were you know. Uh, in it, you know, not necessarily one of the best teams, but if they called up Brent Honeywell, he would have been using those bullets that he ended up using in the minor leagues for no good reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And now he's got Tommy John surgery, and uh, the whole thing just seems much more depressing. The Rays are super depressing. 
So, yeah. <laughs> but but of course, when they start selling off pieces, even though they maybe haven't become as bad as it looks, just in terms of name value, that helps the Blue Jays. Uh, let's talk real quick about Marcus Stroman. Uh, we have we talked a bit about the lineup, but I think the pitching staff is something that is an understood strength of uh, of the Jays, and, and Stroman is the best pitcher. I would say that the Blue Jays have, and I know that for someone like you, uh, a grips guy, uh, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to talk to Marcus Stroman about this, but he he guards them. He does, he he won't show you. I, I I don't want to burst your bubble, but given the opportunity, he's going to shut you down. I know, and somehow I saw one on a telecast, and when he told me he wouldn't show me, I was like, dude, I've seen it already. Like, what what's going on here? But uh, you know, some pitchers feel like it's their secrets they're giving away. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Uh, how a grip can relate to, um, you know, a batter being able to see it better or hit it better. But, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know the reasoning. Uh, he has been open with me about like training techniques and, and thought processes and stuff. So I, he's not, uh, like a dick, but, uh, <laughs> but he won't show me his grips. It, it's also a very interesting grip. He's almost, um, overlapping his two fingers on that sinker. Um, like if you're like crossing your fingers when you're lying, it almost looks like that on, on his sinker, um, which is super rare. Doesn't happen very often. And I don't know how much it's the grip or if he mechanically does something, but it's that sinker is definitely one of the best in the game. And my only concern, especially with the, you know, him grabbing his shoulder right now is that there's something mechanically grip wise or pronation or you know extra work on that pitch to get the movement that it does that has it's causing him some stress well i hope not my goodness i mean uh, yeah they 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 say they're taking it real slow and i'm right now kind of as a blue jays fan just sort of chalking it up to it's a spring and they're backing him off and they're just you know they're they're playing the long game but what what do you think about it i mean you're there in the Bay Area. You are at the Giants today. I mean, Johnny Cueto is a guy who's always messed around with timing, messed around with different, you know, quick pitches and different ways of getting, of getting um, hitters off balance. Stroman is a guy who, who, as you just mentioned, he has one of the best pitchers, pitches, the sinker in the game. But he also works this stuff in. Is this sort of are we going to see more guys doing this, sort of moving away from the almost robotic? Um, you know, metronome of a pitcher who's just trying to repeat his mechanics and get everything going in the right direction. Is, is Stroman maybe, is he going to be, is he unique or are we going to see more guys going, uh, try to come at it in this kind of weird, uh, wild approach? We're definitely seeing more and more of it. Uh, Kenley Jansen was, uh, was doing some of it in the World Series. And uh, we've seen Clayton Kershaw drop down to, a, to an extra arm slot um, based on what Rich Hill was doing. I think, you know, in a way, pitchers are copycats. They, they see something that works for somebody else, and they want to try it. So um, I, think it's, I think it's okay. I think it's, a, it's one of those things that's okay and better for an established pitcher like Stroman to do than necessarily for a kid to do because, you know, uh, the kids are trying to learn the repeatable mechanics. Like, I was talking to Joey Votto for a piece that's going up on The Athletic tomorrow, and I said, you know, do you, like, this plate discipline thing, you're amazing at it. You're maybe one of the best of all time at it. Um, do you hone it? Like, do you do you stand in front of a machine that's throwing you balls and you are and you try not to swing at them? Do you, like, do you constantly work at it? And he laughed at me. He's like, no, that's what, like, my childhood was for. Like, that's why, that's what I did all that work until now for. So, 
to some extent, I think the, the players in the major leagues have repeatable mechanics because they've been pitching since they were 10, you know? Mm. And they, they have a certain amount of repeatable mechanics. So for them to, like, for Stroman, who's been pitching for, for a long time, to to just add a little wiggle, you know, I asked him about that, and he said, no, no, I you know, that's I can repeat my mechanics. I still get to the same release point. That's just a little thing to throw in their, in their heads. Uh, and I don't necessarily think it's related to the injury, and I think it's probably fine, uh, provided, of course, that you first establish that you have command. You know, mm-hmm. you first establish command. You first establish, like, I wouldn't want Matt Moore uh, out there, you know, fooling around too much right now. I would want him to really try as much as possible to find the zone. You know, there's yeah, certain yeah. pitchers where you're like, no, no, Aaron Sanchez, maybe don't put the wiggle in just yet. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Have a good, healthy year where you find the strike zone, then you can put the wiggle in later. I think that uh, the Strowman in particular, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm sure Clayton Kershaw is the same, and I know that Kenley Jansen has made a has kind of dedicated himself to this more in the last few years, which is that they're so strong and fit and balanced yes. that they aren't going to get thrown off. They're not going to keel over and fall off the mound, where which is which is obviously a change that has come in the last you know. De- 20 years at the very most, you know, oh, where, where they've dedicated themselves in a way that is the other guy, the, you know, the older generation couldn't even, they wouldn't even recognize the work some of these guys put in, in the off season. Yeah. I mean, they, they're athletes. Uh, some, I, I, you know, walking around spring, there's very few, uh, belly, uh, beer bellies. And, you know, these guys are cut and, you know, they're all, they're even learning from each other. Like I was just talking to a hitter, Scott Shevler, who was like, I'm doing, you know, band work, you know, I'm doing pitchers type stuff, you know, to keep my shoulders strong. And I was talking to uh, Robert Stevenson, a pitcher who was talking about doing, or Amir Garrett, who's a pitcher, he's talking about doing hip, like Pilates type stuff he'd learned from hitters. So like, mm-hmm. you know, the hitters and the pitchers are all learning from each other and they're all learning sort of best practices and, and uh, how to best uh, keep their bodies healthy. And so, yeah, I think Strowman's physicality for sure is a part of why it's okay. Although, you look at Johnny Cueto and you're like, is he as physically good as Marcus Strowman? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, uh, that, that's, that was always kind of the thing with Kenley Jansen, too. That was like the knock on him. when he So he kind of fixed his diet. And there was, a, there, I don't yeah. know who, who someone wrote a story recently. It might have been Andy McCullough about how he's, this is like, Kenley Jansen's basically doing nothing for the entire, all of spring because they work him so hard. But but uh, to 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 overlook their physicality, overlook their fitness is uh, it would be folly on on the fans' part. Uh, for example, is a guy uh, who kind of fits a bit of this this um <clears throat> this picture in my mind. And that's Joe Biagini, a guy who who's trying to make a go of it as the fifth starter. You know, on the surface, maybe he doesn't have the best you know uh, body, but I'm sure that he's uh, there's no he's incredibly fit and he's incredibly dedicated to his work. He has a bit of a goofy, affable pr- presence that sort of maybe is disarming yeah. in terms of his size. But but I mean, he's a guy who who I think might be better served as a reliever. But the team seems to really believe in him as a starter, and he's a guy that's got a bunch of uh, you know a, a starters arsenal. That's the thing we hear all the time. He's got four pitch mix, yeah. and he can throw it all. You know, former Giant as well. And I, I know that you've you spent some time talking to him uh, last year. What do you think about Biagini? Do you think he's going to be able to make it make it work in the rotation? I mean, I, I uh, just off the the cuff and not related to our to our interview that I I, did, I made with him last year. I didn't end up writing it up, but the um, the thing that I think about Biagini that's important for this, I think he's one of the most important players on the on the Blue Jays this year. And I don't mean that he necessarily needs to become a starter and be amazing or go in the bullpen and be amazing. I just think that in this era of the sort of 
uh, 80 to 90 innings pitched, uh, stretch, like six starter swingman type, uh, that that's becoming more and more important. We're taking guys out in the fifth inning. Uh, we're taking starters out in the fifth inning. We need someone to pitch the sixth and seventh inning. When we take our, our starters out and they get injured so often, we need guys to spot start for them and keep the team in the game. Um, and then, uh, obviously, if a guy is good enough to be a starter and is in the bullpen, you could get two amazing innings out of him if, if that's what you want because he, he'll be throwing harder and, uh, and uh, you know, using fewer of his pitches. So I think Viagina could be the glue that makes this work. He's the kind of guy that, you know, is in between the two groups, the stars and the, and the, and the bullpen, and can really make it work. As for his arsenal, that's what we ended up talking about was his cutter a lot. Um, and he basically said that he'd made some alterations to his delivery in his slot and that that had changed the shape of his cutter and that the cutter slider thing was the hardest pitch for him. Um, and I think if anybody's watched, you know, the homers are usually on that, that cutter slider. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, sometimes it's a pitch that has a nice little bit of depth to it. And then sometimes it's just sort of straight uh, and boring and uh, and slower than his, than his regular fastball. So um, I, I've seen some encouraging things about from his cutter late last year and then early in the spring. And uh, if he figures that out, he's definitely got a four-pitch mix. Well, it's encouraging. I mean, I, I, I've been obviously very like results oriented and being like, oh, he gets he gets hit hard, and you can look at his splits and and see him. But but I think you know the the Jays do have some depth behind him. But I think your point about him being the guy that's holding it all together, um, it, it, that's a good one because you start to get into the, these guys who haven't pitched in the big leagues. You know, the the Jays, the front office seems to think highly of the Baruckies and the Panones and, and even Taylor, or, uh, Taylor, Tyler Guerrero behind him. So there are options and they have built in that depth, but being able to go forward and, and have a guy like BG, and even if you only can say, maybe we'll only give him 25 or 26 starts, um, having that kind of locked in would, would go a long way. Uh, what are your five starters if he's not in it? Well, that's, yeah. I mean, so, you look at some of the guys they pick, who have they picked up. I mean, I, I'd like to see some of the like the Pannon and the and the Baraki, some of the sort of younger guys who pitched at Buffalo, guys who will probably have the chance to be, you know, back and forth a little bit, back and forth between AAA. Uh, you know, if Aaron Sanchez's health is always a question mark, um, you know, with Stroman's shoulder thing and 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 Estrada who uh, kind of gutted it out a bit last year, and then Jay Happ. I mean, Jay Happ's thirty five years old. Whether or not I. I, I you got Stroman, Sanchez, Hap, Estrada, and then Biagini. Unless you are having to look beyond him, right? Then you're starting to think. Yeah, okay. man. I mean, wouldn't it make a lot of sense for them to be in on Lynn or Cobb or somebody? Yeah, I, I like Alex Cobb as well. But then you start, you know, obviously they have their budget and they're kind of holding that money close to the vest, yeah. I guess. But uh, it, it would it would go a lot. Uh, yeah, it would be great. If you if, yeah, they, if they add a right. if they add a starter obviously if they add it's a starter sitting it's sitting right out there it's yeah exactly they're just sitting there on on the on the free agent market I mean even like a you know Ricky Ricky Nolasco I mean he signs today is Nolasco an upgrade on on Biagini probably oh Jaime Garcia of course Jaime Garcia what are we talking about we missed out on there we go so so Biagini is your sixth guy if, if Stroman's okay so yeah. yeah I think that's that's ideal but you know it is kind of weird just to, to go national for a second, it is kind of weird to me that the Blue Jays, Twins, and Angels are right there with each other, all battling for the wild card, mm-hmm. and they won't, they, won't, they won't get that one more pitcher. All three of them could use that pitcher. 
Uh, it's a little weird to me. Well, a game a game that I don't like to play, and I don't think it's fair, but it's inevitable from an Angels perspective. Obviously, I watch the Angels pretty closely because of my um, strange. Well, not, not it's not really strange, but it's apparent my obsession with Mike Trout and and just all the Angels in general. But <laughs> well, he's just the best player in baseball. Yeah, yeah, it's not enough. Nothing to get worked up about. But <laughs> the, the fun Angels game is what could the Angels do if it wasn't for Pujols' contract? Oh, and the goodness. sky's the limit, right? With that money, if they have that money right now to spend on how much they could, how much better they could make that team, because uh, uh, they've improved the defense like crazy. They've got, you know, they've got yeah. up in the. I, I'm a long time believer and, and enjoyer of Cole Calhoun. Uh, that the, the team is is great, and it's it's a shame because Albert Pujols was like the best player in baseball for a decade, and and among the best right-handed hitters of all time. And now it's like he's a pariah. A you know? Oh my god. It's just really falling off. It's too bad, but but I think I think you're right. Oh, I mean, I don't. It's not not like a not a hot take to say that. Yeah, the Twins and Angels and Blue Jays are about as about the same along the same level, and they're all a level down from the other sort of three teams that aren't the Astros. So, mm-hmm. at the very least, it's going to be exciting. So, uh, I'll let you go. You know what? Plug your plug your stuff. Let everyone know where they can find you, um, wherever it is. Well, I, now it's one place. I used to have so many bosses, and now I'm I'm happy to have one. And I'm just at the Athletic, and uh, I'm writing for every market. I think I'm going to write that Biagini piece for the Toronto Athletic. Um, um, we'll, we'll see. I have to go back and listen to what I actually have and what's what's uh, what's in front of me. But I, I write uh, sort of locally for each of the local sites, but also do national pieces, uh, and so. Uh, you know, that's where you'll find me on Twitter at E-N-O-S-A-R-R-I-S. You'll find the sandwiches and beer and uh, baseball. Do you have a good, do you have a Canadian beer recommendation for any, for everyone? I know it's tough. That stuff doesn't travel across the border. Um, as It's all Toronto. It's all, it all comes from being up there for pitch talks a couple of times mm. and, uh, and enjoying your lovely city. I love Bellwoods, but I also had a really good beer from Bench. Or is it called Bench? Is it Bench? As for uh, something falls, uh, I've forgotten it now. I know Bellwoods. Bellwoods is good. Bellwoods oh, the... you know who I really love? Mm. Uh, Creative Commons. Okay. Am I wearing their shirt right now? I am. Collective Collective Arts. Ah, okay. Collective Arts. They're in Hamilton. There you go. All right. Yes. Good beer recommendations. I love them. So if you want, to, if you want to know about beers and sandwiches and of course baseball, you can follow me. You know. Uh, on Twitter, and uh, you can, if you are an athletic uh, subscriber, you can get all of his stuff on all the teams. And so we're, you're going to see, you're going to, you're getting like a whole year's worth of stuff at spring training right now. Giants and, and Reds and whoever else is around. Yeah, man, I'm who have I talked to? I uh, talked to Adam Onovito about how he's building his way back. I talked to uh, Char- Charlie Blackman about how hit tool is the most important tool and how he never thought he would hit 37 homers. I, uh, I don't know. I talked to Yonder Alonso. Um, he wants me to run uh, park factors for Cleveland and tell him where to hit the ball. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. I, I talked to, like I said, Amir Garrett about his hips. And, uh, yeah, I'm also doing a fun piece that eventually will come out about curveballs. And so I'm just basically asking everybody who throws a curveball about their different grips. It's a, a grips is a thing you'll find on my Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking about spike curve versus knuckle curve versus, you know. So I'm asking them all about what how what's important about throwing a curveball, and maybe I'll run some uh, some data about, like, you know, how the different grips try to classify all the different pitchers and their different grips and see 
um, you know, what sort of movement comes from different grips. So that's a, that's the fun thing I get to do, you know, as I settle in is I'll do the local stuff, but then, you know, some days I'll take a, a couple of days off and do a, do a bigger piece. Awesome. And you've got the, the Joey Votto thing coming up. Local, local hero, Joey Votto grew up a few blocks from here. Oh, he said some funny things. He's always like, just for a taste that I'm talking about plate discipline and I'm like, you know, you do you hone your craft and and he's like he's like no no that's always come easy for me <laughs> just like that I'm like yeah 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 he once said to me i asked him about uh you know do you need protection in a lineup do you believe in that and he goes who's gonna protect me babe ruth <laughs> yes joey Votto, the king <laughs> the king himself all right that's amazing uh eno thanks a lot uh, everyone, thanks thanks for listening to this special edition of Birds All Day. Uh, we'll be back later this week with a full episode of Stoughton and I and another special guest who will be uh, live in the person uh, for this week's episode. So we'll leave, leave you to look forward to that. Uh, Eno, thanks again. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to this edition of Birds All Day.